Um, he- hey, hello. Hey. Hi. Um, you're a little bit a little bit late to our our session talking this week. Are you are you here? Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I was um. <clears throat> I had I had heard that you had watched this movie called We're All Going to the World's Fair. Uh I I suppose I did. Are you are you have you have you also watched that movie? <sighs> I, I, I've watched this movie about two times now, or just recently. I even watched it like last night. Have you watched it twice? I mean, I, uh, I gave it a second. I gave it a second watch through. I mean, I, I, you know, it's. I don't know if I. Got his intro. Go on, one second. (laughs) Oh, sorry. It's been uh, a long day. I've been, they have me working a bunch of like, like clopins and like, you know, covering a bunch of shifts lately. I'm just like, whoa, I was real exhausted. I was really dehydrated. Uh, oh, I got okay. one of those electrolyte waters from the convenience store, though. Just downed a bit of that. Boom. Uh, I'm back. What are we talking about? Yeah. Uh, oh, could you turn your camera on really quick for me? Oh, thank, thank you, thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on. Okay, cool. That's uh, the sound. <laughs> That's you turning my camera on. <laughs> uh, well, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you're feeling a little bit better now. Um, yeah, I, I suppose. Uh, yeah, this movie must have had some sort of effect on you if you, if you saw it twice. Uh, what did you think of? We're all going to the World's Fair, Jay Bearhat. Oh my God. Okay. So glad I saw it in theaters the first time, because, um, for a movie about looking at screens, it definitely is made towards being watched in a theater mm. because there's so many shots that are set up in a way that when it's a massive thing on the big screen it perfectly captures what sitting on your bed looking at a computer screen is like and it loses a little bit of that when you're actually watching it on a computer screen <laughs> uh, mostly just because like the shot composition is less all-encompassing so like your eyes you know, like you can look at the whole picture and the whole scene kind of in one go. Right. Whereas when it's like a huge theater, you can like you're looking at the computer screen as if you were in the room and then your eyes kind of start to wander and you start to look around the computer screen, mm-hmm. which you feel more like you're in that perspective that you're being given. Uh, not not to be, you know, pretentious and be like, you haven't seen this movie if you haven't seen it um, in theaters. But if you get a chance to see it in theaters, because it is finally distributed more than where uh, the letterbox Patreon base seems to live, uh, right? Yeah. I highly recommend it. I highly recommend seeing it in theaters. This is this is one that's worth it. If you get COVID, 
the, I'm giving it the official Jay's Bear Hat seal of approval. It's worth getting COVID for. It is not worth getting COVID for. <laughs> we need you need to stop with this fucking I, pro-COVID shit. It's Quit I'm not it. pro-COVID. <laughs> it's permanent. It's a permanent disease. Chill. And seeing this movie will permanently change you. That's true, I guess. I mean, yeah, I I did not watch it in the theater. Um, but I, I did watch it on, I've watched it on large-ish screens, large compared to like a computer screen, I suppose. Uh, and you know, it's really, I mean, like the horror aspect of it, it's, it's hard to call it a horror movie because it's the type of movie that people who are like obsessive creepypasta teens, they click on this movie and they're like, what the fuck is this fucking artsy, stupid, uh, but the fact of the matter is like, there is, like, a certain level of kind of ambiguity to the whole thing. Uh, certain sort of... I mean, I mean, it's pulling from things like Marble Hornets. Uh, there's, you know, the wonderful cameos of, like, YouTube personalities that, like, worked on Slenderman offshoot stuff, too. Um, which we can, we can touch on a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the sort of... What's happening in the frame is eerie, and it's very evocative. I, I could definitely see this hitting a certain type of like TikTok horror audience mm. who are like this, but like in the like this movie is like real. Yeah, <laughs> like this movie actually happened. Yeah. Um, but it, it's also drawing on um the, 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 the blue whale challenge. And there's even a, a very, very small uh, reference to it. Mm. Um, I think I, I speaking of the reference of I think I love about this film is that it's so easy to have done a version of this movie that is just heavily referential, and it's definitely something where if you have a lot of familiarity of creepypasta internet culture, you'll like pick up a lot more things. Yeah, but there's none of it where it's like, you know you need to have a familiarity of it to really understand it. You just kind of had to need the familiarity of like the concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the references that show up are, are pretty small, pretty, pretty discreet. Um, there's a shot of one of the characters like computer screens, um, which looking at it when I saw it in theaters was really fun because I was trying to read as many of his notes as possible, yes. but he has like notes that are referencing like Momo the the creepy bird woman he has notes referencing the blue whale challenge um oh god what were some other there were just some other like random creepy pasta things or like horror related stuff there's a really good joke where he also has a note in the far right corner that's like rewatch uh paranormal activity and the matrix <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was Christ. really which i thought was a really cute bit um other than that, you know, like, yeah, there's there's a video clip that plays at one point that's very clearly riffing on, like, Marble Hornet-style media. Right. There's a lot of things that riff on stuff, but it's not like you need to have, like, first-hand knowledge of it to get it. You can, you can kind of decode from the way it's presented to you what kind of stuff it's talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I really was, I, I was super, super floored by this movie. I was really, really impressed. It reminded me a lot of Cam in, in some ways, but, uh, it's kind of like a, a compliment to Cam insofar as it's like a different side of, uh, just kind of isolation. 
there's definitely a texture that we talked we talked a little bit about uh kind of before recording a lot of interviews and a lot of stuff kind of focuses on it's just like this is a movie by a trans person and some of it is about um you know dysphoria or rather it's like very deeply uh, feels kind of about dysphoria and going through changes and uh kind of fear fear partially of your body but partially of other people's perceptions um and i think that i think that stuff is there i don't know if I, I I don't know what my preferred way of kind of like thinking and thinking about and uh, kind of dissecting that stuff would necessarily be because I think that it's so much more multifaceted than that. Uh, yeah, because when you consider dysphoria, you're considering like other people's intentions and other people's thoughts and fitting into society and, you know, being, and, and, you know, certainly like lots of personal things like fitting in with your body, fitting in with your family. Um, I don't know. It, it's more, there's a lot going on. It's a really, really, really dense movie, which I, I say about a lot of movies, but this one's, this one's really stand out. I I would say a thing about the film with well okay like a, a way to talk about that is and I think this is more so a problem that like cis people and people who interviewers for this film it's have, always less cis yeah which is that they forget that dysphoria is a term that refers to conditions that predate the medical construct of gender dysphoria exactly. that's why the word gender comes before it <laughs> they refer to it with trans people. Um, and this film is about dysphoria, which inevitably is going to include, you know, be some shades of gender dysphoria. But so is like any movie that addresses issues of dysphoria and identity and disidentification of your body. Mm. Just because like that's all comes from the same like wellspring of like human emotions experiences. So like a sister film or a sister thing to this that I would say is that it's very similar to say serial experiments lane <laughs> which is made by a guy who became a reactionary transphobe but i would say there's a type of person who is trans mask who is who would have a serial experiments lane icon in like 2013 uh, uh who would who would have an icon of casey from this movie now <laughs> Right, yeah. Or I mean both sides of the fence on in terms of transness for, for Lane, absolutely. Uh yeah, no, it's it's and it's the same sort of thing where it's it's the shaking hand things of like trans films and trans masks can both identify with Lane as a character. Yeah. And I feel like there's definitely ways in which trans films and trans masks can both identify with Casey as a character whose name I would like to note is very specifically chosen as a gender androgynous one. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really, I don't know, it, it's its a really powerful sort of exploration of just, like, how she's trying to kind of define her relationship with these things, but, like, there is no normal kind of circumstance with which, you know, to kind of do those things. I mean, like, she clearly has, I don't know, I like the sort of, like, small, small glimpses that we get of the lives of really both of the main characters. Uh yes. Because Casey's just like clearly going through some shit with her dad, uh, in you whom know, we never see, who we never once see. Yeah. Um, and JLB is kind of described. Well, in the credits, is described as having a question mark, question mark, question mark. Uh, you you tell us, is it an ex wife? Is it his mom? Who's you know? Is it 
is it hired help? I I love as much as like with Casey stuff, you don't get us into it, but I love how uncertain any details of JLB's life are, but yes. there's so many clues and you kind of have to figure out what they mean. There's there's the scene of him sitting staring blankly in a room drinking milk and some sort of older woman who could be his age, who could be older than him, who could be family, who could be, you know, hired help, who could be his wife, is just seen entering with, like, grocery bags or something for very briefly in the background. And it's such a, like, because that character does not show up or is referenced in any way, it's such an intentional thing that I know that it is, you can tell that it's included there to get you thinking, like, Okay, so who is this person who lives in his house? What is his relationship to them? What do they know what he's doing? Like what's what's going on here? Like this guy clearly seems alienated and disaffected. So then what's his relationship to this other person in his house? It's a really it's an interesting like structure or kind of like an interesting paced an interestingly paced sort of movie because it kind of like the first time you see JLB, you're, like, not expecting to by any means. Like, the movie really pulls the rug out from under you by yeah. suddenly making you hyper-familiar with him. And just how, like, you sense... There's so much that you can glean. You sense this, like, sadness from him, absolutely. This sort of, like, lostness, this longingness. Um, and it's, you know, it's so striking that his computer and everything is set up in this, like awkward kind of guest bedroom in this house that's like cl clearly definitely has like a master bedroom or like some sort of situation but you know he's hanging out in like the trophy room he's like sleeping in this like side room and spending all of this time there in this, this house that doesn't quite fit him <laughs> yeah in this house that's like empty for the basically most of the duration of the film uh i don't know it's very and I, there was kind of some inter interviews with the uh, writer-director, Jane uh, Schoenbrunn. Uh, hopefully I pronounced that right. Uh, but basically, like, saying that, like, there, there's sort of this intent of, like, not making him evil, you know? Not making him, like, this bearded pedophile who's on the other side of the screen. Like, it's creepier and we're kind of jumping in I'm, I'm jumping into the deep end here but it's it's so much creepier that he doesn't know what he wants yes no no i know exactly who you're talking about because that was a thing that i really liked and when reading the director's intent about it make me liked it more where she talks about specifically not wanting that moment where he's revealed to be a like stranger danger moment like not to be like here's the here's the nasty pedophile like yeah. the film objectively shows you the actions and interactions that him and Casey have. And objectively, it's clearly an unhealthy dynamic. Yes. It is the classic internet dynamic of a young teen and an older, an adult who should have better boundaries and should understand that, like, even if they're engaging with this teen in a creative process, the teen is inherently a teenager and you, you cannot interact with them in the way that you're interacting with them. Um, yeah. And so the film objectively shows that, but it does a really good job of keeping super close to its chest because JLB also does and clearly doesn't really know what he's doing. What not necessarily his motivations are, but like 
you know, is is this like an inappropriate relationship founded out of like predatory desire? Is this an inappropriate relationship founded out of predatory desire that JLB is in denial of? Is this just, you know, you see on his notes that he has a bunch of other players, one of whom you see in the film and is an adult that he's also doing stuff with. Um, So is it just that, like, this is his first time interacting with a teen player and he's, like, just so into the game that he's not thinking about it? Um, But there's very obviously a way in which he's playing the game to play this role of somebody who saves people which is what part causes him to have this particularly unhealthy dynamic with Casey because he very clearly uses this here's a teenager I can save because she's so wayward and that's like when I was a kid and that yeah. could be for pervert reasons that could be for just unhealthy maladaptive adult reasons mm-hmm. um a friend of mine who i saw the film with said that like the read they had gotten out of it um and sort of initially in that they were surprised there wasn't more details brought in to like confirm that is when they first saw the room that he's in their first thought was oh that's a child's room yeah uh yes. and so it's oh the this distant person you don't see is his wife they're estranged but still live together he had a teen child or something who who like tragically passed and so he got really into horror as a way to like kind of escape from that Mm. and casey's re and so his unhealthy dynamic of casey is projecting this idea of like well i can save this kid because i couldn't save my own wow that's really that's really fucking cool and it's like that's that's what's great about this film is that like that interpretation of his character is just as equally supported by what you see as yes. oh he's a pedophile exactly yeah <laughs> he's, he's a creep <laughs> like and I mean that's supported by like the rooms full of like trophies and shit like that like those kind of like karate trophies or whatever that you get like yeah like children's uh, trophies the bed is a little too small it's like you're not clear whether or not this is like you said a guest bedroom a teen's bedroom. Yeah. whether it's just he's just lived in that room since he was a teenager and has never grown up like you you're not you're never given any uh, nearly enough details about this person to understand what you're seeing only that you're seeing something about him which i i, I know i'm taking this over but that kind of gets into for jumping in the deep end my big read on the not thesis of the film but a major thing i like about it yes yeah which is the film, this is one of the first films to capture an element of the internet that's really hard to describe, which is the sort of voyeurism of both. You have this intimate view into a person's life, but also you don't know anything about them. Mm. So Casey and JLB, we don't even know JLB's real name. Like we don't even know what it stands for. And Spoiler, it's revealed, although she could have been lying, that Casey isn't her real name either. Like, I love that line where she goes, that's not even my real name, because that's a moment that pulls the rug out from you, the audience of you think, you know, Casey, you think, you know, what's going on with this character. And then it's like, oh, you don't. Right. Because the only time you hear her name is for the first time at the start of the film when she's practicing and getting ready to do the performance of her first video which means from the beginning she might have been playing a character and you have no idea what parts of Casey you're seeing are a character or not, which is what it's like seeing someone's content on the internet. You 
ultimately don't really know anything about that person, no matter how much they put online, because you don't know if they're bullshitting you. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me why I'm such a gullible dumbass that, like, my first time watching this movie, during the scene where uh, JLB was, like... Uh, we're going to talk about the ending here now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> during the scene where JLV is like, she went to the World's Fair. I was sitting there being like, well, why isn't the movie showing me? Why is the movie just showing me him talking into a webcam about? Oh, <laughs> I, I no, I had the same thing, which is another thing that I love about this film is the way it uses the language of the Internet and film to really confront you with like the differences and the fact that both mediums are fake. Yeah. Um, is like when he starts telling that story, I was like, oh man, I really liked the ending where it's just the, the looping clip of Casey and replaying the audio of her saying, one day I'm going to disappear and you're never going to know what's happened to me. Good thesis line for the film. Um, yes. And then it starts and he's like, here's what happened. She went to a mental asylum for a year, but we met up and we got pizza. And I was like, I was like, that, I was like, that's the conclusion the film's giving the most like generic possible conclusion for this. And then he got to the like, oh, we we she apologized to me for the things she said. And I was like, no, she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> this and is he's so like, totally she, different. What the she, fuck is happening? She got she made it to the World's Fair. And I was like, oh, my God, he's turned her into lore. She logged off and never came back. And because she's a part of this game, he just made up lore about her. <laughs> he just she's it's that is like the perfect capturing of how the Internet works. Yeah. <laughs> is that real people are just turned into lore. That is like the full extent of like. <sighs> I don't mean to be a depressive about like the potential for the internet. I was once like super starry eyed about the internet, but I just don't think it's a functional method of human communication anymore necessarily. And stuff like this is kind of like what I mean. There's, uh, you know, I, I, I think that when people are kind of reactive toward complaints that are like, oh, millennial on phone, millennial look at screen. Like, yeah, those yeah. those complaints don't touch on the full reality of, like, this shit does make, you know, it it's, it's a weird, like, two-way mirror between you and other people. Like, it does make people feel kind of disposable or, like, basically, you know, whatever happens in an online community, like, whoever, I mean, like, in life in general as well, but just, like, whoever is standing last is kind of telling the story and deciding you know, deciding the narrative or whatever. Uh, and I don't know, it's it's a really chilling... It, it's a really chilling ending uh, when you when you just kind of realize, like, oh, yeah, no, this guy actually, like, didn't really care. Or, or like, the ways that he cared were, like, inappropriate. He, he cannot accept that the, the Casey's life and story outside of the confines of a narrative a cohesive narrative and so he makes up a narrative ending for it because otherwise he has to accept you're never gonna know what happened to casey yeah. she logged off you're she never probably gonna know casey yeah if she if she ever comes back online it's probably not gonna be under that name and she's probably not gonna show her face because that's what knowing some as somebody who knows someone who was a target of like 
old something awful forum stuff. Mm-hmm. I know someone who just has zero online presence and like periodically goes through and calls what little traces he's left online because that experience just taught him that like, nah, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want that attention on me. Yeah, I I don't want, I don't want that kind of vibe going forward in my life. And that was something that happened to him like 15 years ago. Like that was that happened when he was like a teenager and he's like in his late 30s now. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, it, it's really. I don't know. It, it, it kind of becomes this like reflection of a pre-existing uh, kind of alienation, uh, you know, this or, or like it, it replicates these like ways of, you know, kind of sideswiping and people within your reach power wise or I, I don't know how quite to put it, but. The internet is a very, very dark, dark place. I don't need to tell anybody that. That's not news to any of us. Yeah, JLB's performance is really fantastic. Uh, Michael J. Rogers is like a huge, like, horror guy. He was in Beyond the Black Rainbow. Um, oh, that's where I recognized him from. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, and he's been in, he was also in Assassination of Jesse James by Carver Ford, blah, 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 blah. Uh, all sorts of other, all sorts of other stuff. Uh, he's really fantastic, but I think Anna Cobb as Casey is, is like transcendent, like so fucking good. What a fucking phenomenal like debut! Yeah, right. Yeah, like just oh, just killing it! Like already at like peaks of like other young performers career like not just like oh this person has a lot of problems just like oh this person anacob fucking hit the ground running yes with this movie uh, <laughs> like there's so many the the layers of performance too mm-hmm. where it's like performing a person who is performing a person who is performing a person getting lost in the performance of another person that that really good iconic scene like that they used as the poster of her holding up the eye so that it lines up with her eye to the camera yeah that was that was completely improv that was just while she was like doing that scene because they had one take to do it she like the eye ripped off and she just immediately did that Ugh. And it's fucking perfect. It like says everything. It's this like, you know, it's it's this destruction of like innocence. It's like this kind of exorcism narrative almost. Uh, it's the eye being like a fake plastic eye, uh, and just ah, she's um, yeah. She gives such an amazing performance. That's a that's a fantastic take as well. Just the way she like peppers stuffing all across the room as she's destroying this toy i i was like when i found out that that was one take that they could do and that they did it in that one take i was like they i was like the fucking filmmaking gods or whatever were just like bam there you go because the way that 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 stuffed animal fucking explodes everywhere is like so good it looks so good. I was like, I can't believe they got a shot that good on the first fucking try because it's incredible. It's perfect. Yeah, just endless shout outs, endless shout outs to, uh, you know, across the board, like the directing. But like, yeah, endless, endless shout outs to Anna Cobb for really doing just a wonderful job at the like the specific teenage emotion of just like. I can't tell that I'm triggered right now. So I'm like the way she's like looking into a camera and tearing up and like acting normal and 
you know, in all of these different kind of like phases. It, it's like this sort of modern, I don't know, like it 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 feels. I I know that like uh, Jane Schoenbrunn, I think is like a huge David Lynch fan. I think I saw somewhere that she's like obsessed with Fire Walk with Me and stuff like that. Uh, and the kind of like teary-eyed smiles here <laughs> feel very firewalking. Yeah. It feels like coming from a similar sort of like emotional like trying to hold things together place. Uh, it's so also like the 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 stretch of videos that are like um when she's being taken over more and they're like just a bunch of auto-playing videos. Which, by the way, the way the film melds in auto-playing videos with, like, other stuff. Yeah. Oh, perfect. I, I was watching it with my partner who is a bit younger than me and so is much more of the generation of people who just watch YouTube videos like, passively growing up. Like, mm -hmm. we're definitely of the generation too, but, like, you know, we YouTube was new, Versus YouTube as an algorithm that is constantly feeding you things uh, is right. what the, is what they are, and they were just like, yeah, this movie perfectly captures just like the experience of putting on a video and then just like laying in bed and like just letting the algorithm show you more things. Uh, it's creepy. Uh, the but yeah, like oh those 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 performances are great and also nail like a specific era and like style of YouTube making that's like a mixture of horror and comedy. Mm. I I fucking lost it. Uh, me and my another friend of ours who saw it in theaters just lost it at the part where it's like the video title just comes up and it's just dumbass waterfall. Dumbass waterfall. That's like one of the best fucking parts. The 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 arguing with the Santa just like hey, stop smiling, stop smiling. Those are stop smiling. Yeah, those those reminded me of like a specific era of or I I don't know just like kind of somewhere in between like vlogs and creepy pasta stuff or whatever. Uh, I I don't know the, the sort of era of people um, making YouTube videos that are intentionally supposed to be unsettling unless you get the joke and then they're really funny. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like um, the fucking grave, the, 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 the tour of my school part has <laughs> <laughs> just like that great delivery. It's like, and there's the principal's office. Watch <laughs> out. <laughs> and then just mixing that in with like really upsetting scenes of her talking about her dad having a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's something that i kind of uh, it's something i noted in my letterboxd review basically where like the tone of this movie definitely struck me like it's something that is it, it's so in control of its own tone in terms of just like it's aware of how much creepypasta stuff is like hilarious um especially yeah. like how the evan santiago uh sort of cameo part the like i'm turning to plastic part it's like oh you, yeah you look at that stuff and it's like oh this is like kind of trying to be scary or strange or evocative but it's like you know maybe it hits for a second or maybe it bounces off of you and you like laugh and you think it's funny and then the movie kind of lingers really long on that stuff specifically like the scene where Casey's it like auto plays to like Casey's face looking fucked up and it's the video JLB made and it's like I need to talk to you. And that's that's something where it's like 
Oh, you took her into MS Paint. You took her into Photoshop, and you gave her the, you gave her the goofy treatment. You really goofed yeah, her you up. Just, <laughs> you made you made her void. Yeah. <laughs> you did a void edit to her. Yeah, and it's like it's scary, and then it kind of is silly, but then it's like lingers for so long that it's like becomes scary again, <laughs> just because you don't like. It just doesn't. It does the, also like the imagining of like you're sitting in a barn in the middle of nowhere and it's dark and you're like depressed and upset and the way that it both is really creepy to imagine just a distorted video of your own face autoplaying while you're laying in a barn and you're afraid of the dark but also the way casey's reaction is a mixture of like excitement and terror (laughs) (laughs) like Oh, this means because like she knows and we the audience knows that that means that like, oh, she's in like she this thing that she was worried was like, oh, this is stupid and no one's going to care about this. Like, oh, someone took notice. Someone cares about it. Yeah. But it's still like super creepy (laughs) (laughs) and like a really good kind of foreshadowing of how unhealthy it ends up being. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, you can kind of see this thing happening where it's like. She she's so kind of startled that like some someone is, you know, commu- willing to communicate with her. She's so she's like she's, you know, throwing wild punches into the air and one of them lands ostensibly. Uh, and and she's kind of like shocked and astonished by that. And and so much of the movie, like once you're past, you know, uh, once you're past the sort of like paranormal activity reading of it and and you kind of realize what's going on. You see something like way scarier, which is that she's like, it's not even it's it's not making her better. It's like it's making yeah. her more sort of, you know, it, it's this person who has all of this like pent up energy and like who's clearly like very isolated. And all of a sudden there's like an audience. There's like, you know, someone who can hear and she like doesn't, you know, it doesn't make her healthier. She like lashes out. She does that amazing like tarot reading, uh, which is a, a total, which is a read. She she's like that tarot scene is really triumphant <laughs> to watch. Yeah. Um, I this is a really therapeutic movie for anybody who uh, has been groomed on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> anybody who has been the teen with an unhealthy relationship to an adult on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, especially insofar as just JLB needing to be soothed a lot of the time, like his constant just like need for access and just like, please keep making videos. Please call me soon. Please talk to me soon. Please, please, please. Yeah. Oh God. Just immediately oh. like hyper emotionally dependent. It's so good. It's, it's so good. And it's like, the other thing I like about it too, is that, the film kind of sets you up to expect either, oh, what if something actually paranormal is happening? Or to expect, like, oh, you know, like JLB, you assume that she's she buys into it too much and she actually thinks it's real. Yes. And a thing I really like about the film is, especially on a second watch, it seems pretty obvious that there's no point at which she believes in the curse. But it's a thing where it's like she's so behaving as if she does that she kind of almost wants the curse to be real. Yeah, I see. And it. like that's 
that's what I like is there's this like confusion necessarily of like not so much that like how much of it does she believe it to be real, but it's like how much of her doing this role play is sort of a like escape versus a fantasy. Mm, yeah, I see it as a like, total placebo effect kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly that. Like, and and that's why when she gets taken out of the game, she has like she's kind of like thrown off by the idea of like, oh yeah, that we're role playing is because by acknowledging that they're just role playing, she's kind of like having to confront a thing that she's already aware of, which is that she's role playing and that like she she's making this all up and she has been making this all up. Mm. Um, a, a detail I really like um, that sets up another big theme in the film I noticed that I like is that the first video she makes where she's talking about the effects of it, um, A, she she watches the I'm Turning Plastic, which has a woman, and the I Can't Feel My Body, which has a guy videos as like common symptoms. And right. the symptom that she decides to mimic is she can't feel anything, <laughs> which is the dude's one. Uh, which I really like is like a kind of subtle, eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, but also like the fact that like kind of setting up early on that she knows it's a game is you see her walk out there with a jacket and then she takes it off and puts it out of frame. And then she's like, I should be wearing a jacket, but you know, honestly, I don't even feel anything. Yeah. And we know that that's a lie because she walked out there with a jacket. So she obviously knows it's cold out. Yeah, that is um, so perfectly one of those like schoolyard lies. It's like, oh, I. I I have the force. I have even, Harry Potter magic. I'm not even lying. I, what, what's the line? It's like, I'm not even joking with you guys or something like that. Like, Ugh. um, and, and the other thing about that is that there's a, another theme that this film captures well, which is the way online communities, especially creepypasta, but really creative communities, anything like this in general is it's all not just referential, but riffing on each other and iconography and ideas are constantly just being lifted and put somewhere else. Mm. And so the most obvious one is that where she, she mentions, you know, she, she kind of takes this idea of, I can't feel my body from a video she watched. Um, but a similar one that I noticed, and there's probably more, but this is like the big one is the, in the I'm turning plastic video, I noticed that on her table is just a bunch of Chinese finger traps. Hmm. Like just scattered around her dresser. And cause I remember being like, that's weird. And then later there's the video of the guy talking about, um, uh, like how he wanted the big stitch plush. But the first thing he says is all of my friends were, you know, like happy just getting Chinese finger traps or whatever. Oh, weird. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a thing where it feels like it has to be an intentional sort of like, this is a connection between these two videos because I can't think of any reason why there would be a bunch of Chinese finger traps on the girl's desk. Cause like, that's yeah. not like a thing you just have on your desk. Um, and it's like, I, you know, I'm not saying that the Chinese finger trap has meaning, but I think within the world of the of the horror people, they've probably given it some sort of meaning. And so it appearing is like sort of a reference to this idea of like there's an image or image that was mentioned somewhere that someone liked. So they lift it and they put it in their own. And this is all transformative work where they're all just kind of like getting inspiration and ideas and riffing off of each other and building off of each other, which is ultimately the the foundation that makes JLB and Casey's dynamic so unhealthy 
is because they're riffing off of each other, but one of them is an adult man. Yes. And the other is a very clearly uh, uncomfortable, isolated teen girl who, mm-hmm. who should not be being encouraged to do certain things. Yeah, yeah, it's so... Yeah, I don't know. I, I In terms of just, like, the, the like the finger traps and the sort of all, all of that stuff. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. I guess there's like some texture there about, I mean, gender is a little bit, you know, like, Oh man, I don't have enough tickets for the, for, <laughs> for titties. Oh, oh I got the titty tickets. I didn't get the titty tickets. Damn. Do I got to go back out there and play foosball again? Shit. I think that must've been, was that Theo Anthony? Like the ticket guy pulling the tickets out of his arm. Oh, I think so. I guess it must have uh, must have been. There's like an ASM artist in this movie. Uh, the the winged girl is made. Uh, that's uh, Nick Spears. Yeah, yeah. That, that was also really fun because I I knew that she was in it and I knew that the one of the people I was watching with was a really big fan of her her <laughs> videos. And so I did not tell them that Nick Spears <laughs> was in it. And so when Nick Spears pops up, they just went what? <laughs> just like really loudly, just like wait what? <laughs> What the fuck? Yeah, because it's like it's it's not just that it's a cameo by her; it's like a cameo by her in her living room that is her main set for like eighty percent of her videos. <laughs> so it's like if you're familiar with your con- her content, that comes up, and you're immediately like, "Wait a second, I know this purple lighting." Unmistakably, unmistakably, Nick's fears. But again, like similar also to the like I'm turning plastic video. Just like I don't know, there's these like specific kind of there's these specific kind of indicators and these specific kind of themes that just like keep popping up. They're like very weird. I, I need to at some point go through to and like see what all of the connecting stuff, like what all the like kind of background internet stuff is. Cause it feels like there was probably a pretty decent amount of thought put into like some of the background lore. Mm hmm. Um, and I, I would be curious to see like what you can glean about the about that lore from like reading the YouTube videos that Casey scrolls past or like reading the notes on JLB's desk. Not that any of that stuff like matters to the text of the film. I I just you know I like <laughs> I like um, lore. <laughs> I like background detail. I like when a movie just has a bunch of shit thrown in it. That's like yeah, if you stop and pay attention, you'll like learn more about like completely superfluous background details yeah yeah i i mean having having that level of texture for something like this it's i don't know it feels it feels kind of essential and it's kind of surprising after uh, lots and lots of years of things that have seemed to kind of fumble hard on uh delivering interesting like internet-based horror uh, because and it's largely because like the things in the margins don't make a lot of sense and things like you know and, and things like unfriended or you know there's better examples out there but that that one um, that one fucking uh movie about the missing girl uh and i oh my god i'm not uh i go up broadcast intrusion or whatever oh yeah that that fucking piece of shit because that piece of shit was like that was like one of the most egregious yeah <laughs> does not understand what it's ripping off kind of movies i saw yeah i've seen recently yeah yeah in, in contrast uh we're all going to the world's fair it's like super super lived in uh, and definitely from somebody who you know knows what they're talking about in terms of like 
kind of translating the nonsense of the internet into like, you know, something that converges into meaning. Just a movie that understands so much of the texture and it's such a breath of fresh air. And I really hope that this kind of represents the turning point for movies, understanding how to fold in Mm -hmm. the internet into the, the film medium. And also like things that you can take from the internet as a medium and use in your own film for like narrative devices or for like framing devices or for just ways of like exploring and telling a story. Cause like even stuff like, um, it's not, was it searching the one with what's his name? Yeah, uh, I think, I think that's what it was called. Um, which was like, okay. Like even that ultimately, like it still kind of ends up just being a, a standard narrative with a frame of internet stuff. Right. Like there's, there's a lot of stuff that I think is, is missing the specific textures of how, how this stuff works. Cam is a really good one because it understands that, but it is mostly a thriller that involves the character interacting with that. Mm-hmm. But this is a film where that is your lens for seeing the film. Yeah. A lot of really unforgettable moments here too, that I think are just like the, the shot of her walking while talking about how like her plan to basically kill her dad. Uh, ah, and then it's New Year's Eve. And then it's fucking New Year's Eve. You hear people <laughs> counting down as she's talking about this. Like that is such a centerpiece of the film because it's so just like, that's the level of detachment. That's the level of isolation. You know, it like, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, you know, it doesn't fucking matter that it's New Year's and it's like the middle of town and everybody's partying. Like, yeah. Ugh, just so many moments like that. The the setting the movie in like what very clearly appears to be upstate New York, brilliant by the way, because so many people who are so funny and talented from the internet seem to come from upstate New York, <laughs> seem to come from places exactly as isolated and alienating as upstate New York. Yeah, there's something you know, America. I don't know so, something about the like population density here. There's just you creates fosters a unique kind of uh isolation that I, d- I don't think has done us any favors really but it's made some great content made some wonderful <laughs> content hey that's worth it right what a what a perfect movie yeah i i, I feel like, like i could talk forever about this movie same literally like the only flaw i can air quote flaw i can think of is that those two crossfades i think are really bad edit choices i love them i love a fade I- Ooh. Uh, I, I know you love a f- they're just the only two that like kind of took me out of the flow of the film a little bit because uh-huh. it was just like whoa crossfade what <laughs> that's a weird that's a that's that sticks out because there's only two and so they both stick out maybe on like a third or fourth rewatch I'll be like okay the fact that there's only these two is actually really good um but I I I, I wasn't a fan yeah um other than that, though, that's like if my two flawed complaints of the film are like extremely minor editing choices in two scenes. Mm-hmm. That's how, you know, I really like because <laughs> it's like what I'm zeroing in on is like really just a, a technical aesthetic choice. Yeah, that doesn't actually that ultimately doesn't really take too much away from the film. Hey, if we didn't like this movie so much, we probably wouldn't even remember about those fades. 
honestly yeah no if i if i didn't like this movie that much i'd just be like i don't know there's, there's a shot that looks bad probably <laughs> most of the movie sucked i wasn't looking at it so piece of shit there was this amazing like handheld shot of of you know kind kind of a wonder if my memory serves correctly of of her leaving the house and going all the way to the barn to watch the asmr video yes that part is great too because it also very subtly sets up the the fear of the dark thing in the film that she has Mm -hmm. and how that kind of is very a lot of people get super into horror because they have very specific phobias i notice Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so it makes sense that she'd go super into it because as she's walking to the barn and this is definitely something that's easier to notice if you have like good headphones on or you're in a theater she's mumbling to herself but it's very like she's basically telling herself how many steps it is from her house to the barn yeah and she has her monkey around her neck uh, Poe and her lamp and stuff and so it's very clearly this little ritual that she's developed to deal with the anxiety of being in pitch blackness between her house and the barn. It's scary. I would fucking, I would hate that. I would hate yeah, that. No, so I would, much. I would also hate it. I get it. I also don't like uh, that level of dark, but it's, it's a really cool thing that like very subtly sets up early on that like, Oh, she, she doesn't like the dark. That's why there's always lights on in her room. Yeah. She, it, yeah. The, the weird little Wii that she uses the, the fake Wii that, <laughs> that she uses in the barn is really funny i was i mean like god just you know we can keep prattling on about like good choices that were made in this movie i i saw the like projector sitting on the pool table and i was like that is so fucking true man (laughs) that that's such a like thing that would be happening in like a fucking barn at like a long island house or whatever i don't know little little production touches like that um just like humanizing both from the stake both from the stance of like this the kind of like wider internet stuff but also just like even the small things in the real life segments or whatever you want to call it uh i think the other thing about it that's that's interesting to me is that it's um there's the whole element of like slow cinema by way of YouTube algorithm. Yeah. So fucking cool. So and, cool. And, <laughs> and even though it's like a, it is a short film, like it's only like 86 or something minutes, but even then with it being like a slow film, it's like, it is shocking how much it breezes by. Like, yeah. by, like when the film's ending, you, you really are left wanting more, which I, absolutely think is intentional i think it's very much so supposed to be a film that gives you these very slow indulgent scenes and then when it ends it wants you to be like wait no but i i want to i want to see more things yeah yeah absolutely and and you can't you can't see more things sorry (laughs) (laughs) sorry she is logged off (laughs) she is gone sorry folks she's blocked you you are blocked yeah (laughs) there's nothing you can do uh yeah, I thought that that stuff was so smart and so uh, and that's kind of the that's kind of the folly of slow cinema is that if you make a slow cinema film that's good, it doesn't feel, it doesn't really feel slow. Like Ozu yeah. films don't feel slow to me; they feel very densely packed. Uh, whereas Taco films, I mean, they push it a little bit. I've napped through through some Whereas Taco films, Whereas Taco <laughs> films before, uh, but largely like. 
there's no moment during that long one shot of her going out to the barn where I was like losing focus because it's like you're you're really with her, you know, it's it's you feel that isolation and then you feel her kind of like leave the house and there's like no houses nearby. She doesn't have friends that she can go hang out with. It's just snow. Uh, you you feel those things and you and certainly like the the length of time is noted but it's not like it's feel it's just so organic and so part of what's part of everything that's happening um so i don't know it's it's and yeah how that represents itself in kind of the way that like the the internet and like the youtube stuff presents itself is like really intensely smart <laughs> like it's it's just really forward facing in a, in a way that's like really exciting for the movies that come after that that get to come after this uh you know and and see see how something can be paced and how uh a movie a movie is really more nutritious when you have time to digest things yeah oh I, another small technical thing i forgot to mention too um we forgot so you had mentioned the different styles of like steady cam and stuff mm-hmm. um when I watched it the second time, I, I both noted this and my partner, who's more into technical stuff, uh, confirmed that because uh, she was like, yeah, I, I, yeah I'm i going to be a nerd here and say my favorite thing, like a thing I love about this is that all of the frame rates are correct. Mm-hmm. Like the camera footage that's be- clearly being shot on a phone, not only like visually looks like it, but it's like at the frame rate that that uploaded as a YouTube video would be. Yeah, the videos recorded on her computers are at the frame rates of those. Like, I assume it's probably because they just actually use that technology. Yeah. But having seen a lot of films about the Internet and a lot of them, which are like, all right, here's a shot on the character's iPhone. And it's like, that is not an iPhone. (laughs) Or here's like something that's supposed to be from this. And it's like, cool. It you just threw a filter over it. Uh, It was really cool where a film managed to like correctly use that for like texture reasons uh especially the way it causes that like really low res video of her at the end to play Mm -hmm. yeah yeah there was this whole like kind of post lonely girl 15 era of of like not necessarily arg stuff but just like media having to do with that kind of thing where it's just like hey guys i'm talking into a dslr but i want you to believe it's a webcam and it's, it's like really harsh to watch that stuff that stuff is uh pretty unwatchable to me but um yeah there there was also kind of like some interview segments where the director was talking about like how the there's a sort of specific like shimmery effect to like really under you know under focused and like really dark photo booth scenes where you see all these like green and blue and like purple pixels that just show up out of nowhere in the dark yeah just like that, that that's the oh, amazing felt... fuzziness that it adds <laughs> I had so much nostalgia for every time there was that, like th- those purple little pixels on screen. Oh God, it's so it took, me, took me back to such an awful era of Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely you know turning the brightness up and down on your laptop screen and watching the weird, watching the really weird looking shit that happens in in photo booth. Uh, yeah, just. Stylistically on point, thematically on point. Um, can't say can't say enough. Can't say enough good about. We're all going to the World's Fair. Uh, yeah, you should you should go and see it. 
Yeah. <laughs> maybe we should maybe we should go to the World's Fair. Yeah, Hold on. Honestly, uh, you know what? She should have gone to the normal fair. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think that would have helped her out. She should have gone oh. to the World's Fine. Yeah, she should. Do you have Are a... you putting on Sorry, yeah. what? I was going to say are you pulling up the World's Fair video now? Are you going to get World's Fared? I I'm looking around for a pin. Oh yeah, I found a thumbtack. Do you have a do you have a pin nearby? Do you wanna do you wanna try the channel really a, quick? Yeah, I'm gonna use a lighter though. I think that's fine. That's I mean, as long as there's blood involved, that's probably yeah. fine. Uh Alright. I wanna go to the World's Fair. 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 No, no, I want to go to the World's Fair. I want to go. I no, want to go to the bitch, World's shut Fair. Shut the. I want to go to the World's Fair. Stop. Let's just go. Let's just go to the World's Fair. Okay, I guess it. I guess it's not one of those ARGs that like. I guess we gotta just wait. It's not like Candlejack where it just kind of you know takes you whenever you 